Let's take a minute and pray as we get ready to hear from the scriptures. Our scripture reading is going to involve a prayer that you would give us a clean heart and a right spirit. And our choir just sang back to you the words that you gave us through the prophet Micah, saying that one of the only things you look for in a human being is that we, we would walk humbly with you. Where I think humility would involve listening whenever you speak, and humility would involve trusting your wisdom more than we trust our own. And I have not been a humble man. I have so often forgotten what you have spoken. I have so often listened with half a heart or with one ear. And so often trusted my wisdom more than your own. Make today a new day for us all, Lord. May we listen to the word with more focus and more attention, knowing that more is at stake than we have ever done before. Not because somehow we are getting better, but because we sense more clearly right now our desperate need for everything that you have to say to us through your Holy Spirit from the Scriptures so that we could know Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Um, it's not part of the text we'll read today, but uh, there's a story behind the psalm that we're going to work through today. It's a story about ruptured relationships and repentance that comes afterward. It's the story of a king who wanted to have an affair with another man's wife. And uh, in order to enable that, he had the other man murdered. The king's name was David. The woman's name was Bathsheba. You may know this story. It's recorded for us in the book of 2 Samuel, chapters 11 and 12. Uh, David commits this murder with deception and manipulation. And um, there's, there are even hints in the way the story is told that, that Bathsheba herself was deeply saddened when her husband was murdered. Um, in the end, David marries her. It's a story about lust and pride and kind of you can imagine the rush and the thrill of something new, this forbidden love. And you can imagine the guilt. You can imagine the, the denial. It's not that big a deal. God sends a prophet named Nathan to confront David. David is blind to his own failure, and then he is broken. And in that state of brokenness, he prays, I have sinned against the Lord. David ruptured relationships with God, with the nation of Israel, whom he was supposed to be leading, he ruptured a relationship with Uriah, the man he had murdered, even his relationship with Bathsheba was ruptured by his wrongdoing. But the story ends with repentance. In Psalm 51, 
is a song about the gift of repentance. It's a song that leads to joy. It's a song that's rooted in God's sacrificial love. Let's listen to the words of the song now. We won't be singing them. We'll be hearing them read. Megan, thank you. Today's scripture reading is from Psalm 51, verses 1 through 10. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, read this quote this week. As long as everything from ice cream to marijuana is just one click away, you are fighting an uphill battle for self-control. It's the world we live in, right? I can get what I want, when I want it, how I want it. may not even matter if there's a federal law against it. Doesn't matter if it's good for me. Doesn't matter if I need it. I can get what I want when I want it, how I want it. And there's no resistance. It doesn't take any effort. One click away. What's going to happen if we bring that mindset? I can get what I want when I want it, how I want it, into a relationship. we bring that mindset into our relationships, we are going to do a lot of damage and we are going to hurt a lot of people. That's the reason we have to talk about repentance today. We're looking at emotions over several weeks and and the way God reshapes and refashions our emotions and using the Psalms, songs meant to work on us at that deep level. Um, Why talk about repentance And the answer is we we often hurt people that we're supposed to love. We bring this my way right now, how I want it mentality into relationships and we do a lot of damage. That's the answer to the first question we'll look at today. Why is repentance so important? What makes it so hard? Got to explore that some too. And, um, what would enable us to do this thing that's so hard? And not only do it, but to find that it's a joy 
to engage in repentance. All right, let's start with that question. What's, why is repentance so important? Uh, didn't we just answer that question? Yeah, but your answer to this depends on what you think repentance is. Right? If, if you think, here, here are some options. Repentance is what I do when I need to feel better. This is a me-first understanding of repentance. I'm feeling kind of bad because I think you're upset with me, and I need to feel better. So repentance is you tell me what the magic words are for me to say. You tell me the magic steps, and I will do it because I need to feel better. Well, why is repentance so important? Well, because me feeling better is so important <laughs> in that model. This next model, I need to look better. Now, this is kind of like the um, corporate apology version of repentance. Our brand needs uh, some, some damage control, and um, we need to look better out there in the marketplace. I want my reputation to be intact. I want other people to think well of me. And, and I'm, I'm thinking that if you're upset with me, if I've done something to hurt you, you might go out there and damage my brand a little further. So I, I need to look good. Repentance is so important. This is the marketing approach, right? Repentance is so important because I need my market share back. I don't really care how I feel. I don't really care how you feel. As long as I look good. Or repentance is important because it's the way I pay the price. I need to feel worse. <laughs> repentance is me trying to feel bad enough long enough to win back your favor. I have hurt you and I got a price to pay. And the price I have to pay is kind of this martyrdom. Of let me feel bad enough long enough, and I'll win your favor back. Whether that's a horizontal relationship with another human being or a relationship with God. God, can I win your heart back by showing you how bad I feel? None of those models of repentance are right. Repentance is a joyfully given gift. It leads from relational rupture back to relational Healing. How do we know we're in the right territory in terms of God's wisdom using that summary? Look at some hints in Psalm 51, verse 4. Against you and you only have I sinned. Do you hear the relational piece there? God, I've done something that and it feels like has created distance between me and you. There, there's rupture in the relationship. And I want to come back. I want to find this way back to healing. It's against you and you only. I'm not trying just to feel better. I'm not trying just to make myself look better. And I'm not groveling in the dust. I am just stating truth that I've done something that's damaged the relationship and created distance. I want that to be closed. Verse 11 says something similar. We didn't read this out loud, but right after verse 10, create in me a new heart, a clean heart of God. Renew a right spirit within me. Verse 11 says, don't cast me away from your presence. 
Do you hear the relational emphasis there? God, wherever you are, that's where I want to be. I want to be with you. I want to be close to you. It's relational emphasis here. It's not a marketing emphasis. It's not a me first emphasis. It's not a martyrdom emphasis. This is a gift that leads back to healing. It's important. Repentance is important because we continually do things that rupture relationships and require healing. Now, Psalm 51 is about things David did that ruptured relationships with human beings, but also ruptured his relationship with God. And so uh, pretty much anything we can say on one of those dimensions will apply in, in the other direction as well. So Psalm 51 is primarily about what does repentance before God look like? I think the principles will apply to every relationship. Um, let's move on to another question. Repentance is important because we're constantly doing things that rupture relationships, and we need, we need a gift that will lead us back to healing. What makes it so hard? Well, here's one answer to that question. Distorted emotions destroy real repentance. Let's, um, let's walk through a few. Here's some distorted emotions that we often associate with repentance. Pseudo-guilt. Now, I'm calling it pseudo-guilt because I want to contrast it with real guilt. Um, there is a possibility of really being guilty, of, of actually doing something wrong and knowing that and knowing that someone, is, someone else is going to have to pay a price because of the wrong I did. Right, um, verse 14 hints at that of this psalm, deliver me from, from blood guiltiness, O God. Now, in, in David's case, literal blood guilt. He had had a man murdered. Um, I, I know I have done wrong. I know that someone else has paid a price because of my crime. Um, let's think for a minute about, I, I love Luke's guitar. It's, uh, it's just the right size for a guy my size. Um, it's a Martin. It's amazing. If it's ever missing, I did it. <laughs> I just go ahead and tell you. Luke is getting nervous at this point. He's probably going to start inching his way toward the stage. Be like, I want something between Jimmy and my guitar right now. If I steal Luke's guitar, there are two prices that have to be paid. Two costs. One is the cost of replacing the guitar. I can pay that cost either by returning it or if I've damaged it, destroyed it, lost it, buying another one. That cost is, is paid by replacing the guitar. But what cost is still unpaid in that scenario? It's the cost to the relationship. The damage done between the trust that he and I ought to share as brothers in Christ, as fellow human beings, as members of the same ministry team. There should be a strong level of trust. And returning the guitar doesn't pay that cost. It pays this cost. But somebody's got to bear the cost. I am guilty, and someone else has to pay the cost. In this case, it would be Luke having to pay the price of forgiveness. Luke having to say, you know what? I'm not going to make you pay further damages to heal this relationship, I'm going to let it go. 
That's real guilt. Real guilt says I did something wrong and someone else will have to pay the cost. Pseudo guilt says I did something wrong and I've got to pay the cost. Right? And so that's one of the, one of the damaging emotions you can have when, when, when you feel like you, I need to do some repenting. And this distorted emotion of pseudo guilt steps in and says, yes, you do. You are a bad boy. You are a bad girl. And you got to pay the price and earn your way back into my favor. I can do all the nice things in the world I want to do for Luke, but he doesn't have to forgive me. I can't pay the cost. It's got to be paid another way. Uh, pride enters in as a distorted emotion. What I did was no big deal. Everybody's doing it. You can't, you can't expect me to live up to impossibly high perfect standards. Here's why I did it. Right? All that's pride speaking. It's like trying to defend the ego. You want to know why you're hurt? I'm sorry you felt badly by the thing I did. Like, let me apologize for you feeling bad. That's pride setting in. Contrast that to what you hear in this psalm. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words. God, if you tell me I did something wrong, you're right. I did it. I'm not pushing back. I'm not trying to downplay it. I'm not trying to make it look smaller. I'm not trying to say, hey, God, your standards are too high. That's why I did it. Hey, God, she looked really good. That's why I wanted to have an affair with her. That's why I did it. Can't you get that, man? Pride steps in and destroys real repentance. Fear? What if there's not enough forgiveness to go around? So that I become afraid to let anybody know what I've really done. Fear keeps you from repenting. If you're afraid that there's a limited supply of forgiveness and you're going to use it all up, I only get the repentance card punched a certain number of times. So I can't really tell you everything. Shame. The real me is not worth forgiving. The person I hurt is better off without me. I deserve for the distance to stay there. Real repentance doesn't think like that. Look at the kind of repentance that God describes. Here are the emotions associated with this true joy-gifted repentance that acknowledges that we've done something that's ruptured a relationship and that relationship can now be healed. Look at the emotions associated with sorrow. I am sorrow, sorrowful about what I've done to the relationship. God, against you, I have sinned. I have done something evil in your sight. That grieves me. It, it makes me mourn and wound, not because I'm trying to beat myself up and feel bad enough to earn your favor again, but because I value and treasure my relationship with you so much. It gives me sorrow to think that I have disrespected that relationship, that I have dishonored it or betrayed it in some way. 
There's a godly sorrow there. There's a, a sense of longing. I want the relationship to be restored. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit in me. I want it to go back to the way things were before. I'm repenting because I'm longing for something good. And then don't cast me away from your presence. I want to be with you. I want that relationship. I'm longing deeply for it. That's feeding my sorrow, but it's based on joy. I want this good thing so much. Gladness. I am glad to be honest about what I've done. I'm glad to confess. Listen to verses 8 and 9. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. How can that happen? How can we go in one verse from saying joy and gladness and in the next verse we're talking about um, sins and iniquities? There's this deep sense of I am glad to come clean because what I'm hoping for in the end is just pure joy. Listen, this is later in the psalm, verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I'll be so full of joy that I will want to go find other people who have done evil things like I have, and I will want to shout your name for them, for their good. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Do you hear this? This is a psalm about repentance. And do you hear where it's headed? It's headed toward joy. It's headed toward the relationship being restored in such a way that I want to sing about it for everyone to hear. So if you've thought of repentance as the way I beat myself up and make myself feel bad enough so that God will love me again, can I just take that burden away from you? It's never what the Bible means when it talks about repentance. In fact, 2 Corinthians says there's a kind of repentance that leads to death, and there's another kind of repentance that leads to life. So not everything that's called repentance is the real deal. The real deal, it has an element of sorrow in it, and it has an element of gladly coming clean and saying, you know what, I'm not going to minimize it. I did this. I did it. It's probably worse than I know. But it's all pointed toward joy. I long for this relationship with the person I've hurt or with the God I have failed to be restored. And that longing leads me to this place. I told you last week, we're going to come back to it. I'm keeping my promise. Because, you know, if you break a promise, that's evil, and then you have to repent. Um, greatest showman. If you want to see a really good job of portraying what repentance filled with joy looks like, watch this movie and keep hanging on for the last song from now on. Right? This man has sold his family up the river just to get his name up in lights. Like David, he was seduced 
by glitter and promises that turned out to be false. And as you listen to this song from now on, um, something interesting happens. The piano is so soft at the beginning, you can hardly hear it. And the, the lyrics being sung are so quiet, subdued. And they sound sad. And they start, they sound a little bit like, um, hey, this is that model of repentance where I make myself feel awful. Right? I saw the sun begin to dim. Felt that winter wind blow cold. Yeah, this is real repentance, man. We're going down the guilt path. Woohoo! Yeah. Get out the hair shirt. Let's. Um, and then something, something strange starts to happen. The music picks up. We start to sing, from now on, these eyes will not be blinded by the lights. You hear it's a confession. My eyes were blinded by the lights in the past. I really did it. I really did it. But from now on, it can be different. Something can happen to change it. And the music starts to swell and the lyrics start to take on this positive turn. Let this promise in me start. Yeah. And, um, and then this dude in the background starts playing his guitar. And it's like, this rhythm is way too fast. And a banjo comes in and there's drums. From now on. And a party breaks out and everybody starts dancing and we're stopping. We're clapping and we're stomping our feet. And somebody's slinging beer down the bar because we're having a party. It's a repentance party. Everybody come join in. Every person in the room has destroyed every relationship you've ever been part of. Including your relationship with the God who made you. And go ahead and gladly tell the truth about it. Gladly say, I did it. I did it. I was offered the most beautiful, glorious relationship in the world. And I said, no thanks, I can do better. And I said that not just once, but about a thousand times every day. To my creator, my redeemer. I looked Jesus in the face and I said, wait there. I'll call you when I need you. And I've treated every other person I've ever known in roughly the same way. And if I haven't treated you that way yet, it's only because we haven't spent enough time together. There's real sorrow in repentance. And yet there's this party that says, yes, 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 that's how it was. But it doesn't have to be that way. And so we get to this verse where with all of the party going on and all of the dancing and the banjos playing and the guitarist is just doing his best to keep up with the chords because they're coming so fast and furious. And we're singing, we're still singing about all the evil we did. I drank champagne with kings and queens. The politicians praised my name. Like, how can you be singing about such terrible things you did in such an upbeat way? It's real repentance, y'all. It's going to joy. I'm going home. And that's how the song ends. Home again. We will come back home. We'll come back home again. What in the world could happen to make that not just a nice way to end a movie? A great final song for a soundtrack. 
but a reality for human beings like you and me? What will make repentance a joy? Repentance is a joyfully given gift. Who gives the gift? What's the foundation of the joy? Maybe I give the gift. The foundation of the joy is my ability to repent. Starts to sound a little bit like pride, doesn't it? Maybe you give the gift. The foundation of the joy is your ability to forgive me. That's better. That'll last us a while. Until you're having a bad day or I've done something really awful and your ability to forgive is just worn out. The biblical story says that God is the one who gives the gift of repentance. The foundation of the joy is his capacity for love, which will never run out. His capacity for love is what invites us to come back. Not with guilt or pride or shame, but to come back with joy and to say, Lord, forgive me. This is what I've done. The last few verses of this psalm talk about sacrifices a lot. Verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite or humble heart God will not despise. And then the very last verse of the psalm says, Lord, be good to your people and delight in right sacrifices. God had patterned the worship in the Old Testament tabernacle and later the temple around his own sacrificial love. Every day, priests were living out a picture before God's people of the fact that he has promised. A cost has to be paid when someone needs to be forgiven, and I will provide a substitute to bear that cost. And the right response to that kind of sacrificial love is this inner transformation of a broken heart before him that is honest and ready to repent with joy. My God has borne the cost of forgiving me by providing a substitute in my place to bear that cost for me because Jesus has been the substitute to fulfill every sacrifice pointed to by the worship of the Old Testament. I am free to repent without pride. I am free to repent without fear. If the cost paid by God for my forgiveness is that great, then it can cover anything. I don't have to be afraid that his forgiveness is going to run out. And I'm going to exhaust the supply. I am free to repent without shame. Because God has not said you aren't worth forgiving. He has said, 
I want to restore the relationship with you so much that I will give my only son to pay the cost. He hasn't said, I'd I'd be better off without you. Shame says that. God doesn't say that. I am free to repent even if you don't want to forgive me. I can come clean with you. Even if there's no indication that you want to forgive me. Because I know that God has forgiven me. Jesus bore the cost. And and God gives me the gift of repentance. So that I don't have to wait for you to take the first step and say, I'm ready to forgive you. Do you want to come clean now? No. I want to come clean now no matter what. Maybe God meets us in the middle and gives you the gift of forgiveness too. But do you see the joy here? The joy of saying, I don't have to downplay the reality that I have broken my relationship with God and I have broken relationships with you. I don't have to downplay that, nor do I have to pay a price myself by making myself feel bad enough long enough. All I have to do is come before God with empty hands and say, I need that gift again. I need that gift from you, God, that lets me sing this very hard song with joy. Because I know the end of the song. 